Where's my agenda? <laughs> We're already recording, Charles. Okay. And here we are with uh, Three Red Lights, episode 127. Hillary could not leave us alone. He is back already. I missed you so much. And we have Charles once again. Yeah, what's up? And for the very first time on the Three Red Lights podcast, Mr. Jim Riley. I'm so nervous. Really? Yeah. Are you? Uh, first time with Hillary on the podcast. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, yeah. We've had other firsts together, but it's first on the podcast. Well, and just to be clear, Jim is our uh, our news editor. Uh, I think I'm just an editor now, right? Is that... No, you're still a news okay. editor. Yeah. yeah. I basically just, I just write news all day, pretty much. That's all I do. What if there's news breaking right now? Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anything, anything is going to happen this morning, so... But he's got a, like a spider sense for news. Yeah, he does. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess like I don't know how much news has been breaking, Jim, because I I think a lot of people have been sort of in review mode and and sort of uh, playing games. Uh, playing non- games, what? Yes, playing games. Surprisingly, that does happen from time to time here at uh, here at IGN. This is a good month to be playing games. Um, there are a lot of games. But yeah, there's there's a lot of games coming out, and everyone you know earlier in the year is just like, oh man, everything got pushed till 2010. Then it's like, oh wait a second, there's still a ridiculous amount of games coming out. Speaking of games, uh, we should mention that uh, Forza 3 review goes up tonight at midnight mm-hmm. PST. Uh, I will be reviewing that. Uh, I will be writing that as soon as this podcast is over. I'll be writing a report to review. And that is actually why Hillary has joined us once again, because we have Dan Greenewalt calling in shortly. I believe uh, Che is also going to call and in. And Che. Yeah. So we've got a couple guys from Turn 10, uh, makers of Forza 3, who are going to tell us a little bit about that game. Hopefully. Yeah. About why it's amazing? I don't, I don't know. Spo- yeah. Spoilers. I've, I haven't played it yet, so I don't know. I have not either. You've judged by the package. Uh, yeah, basically. That's what I do. That's what I do. It takes me a bit. And for, like, longer role-playing games, I look at the package for, like, you know, 40 hours or so. <laughs> <laughs> really stare at it. I'd say it's a really crazy uh, time right now because uh, I have Forza. When I go home, I have retail copies of Forza, Brew Legend now, Uncharted 2, and I think I got something else that I can't even remember that I'm not even looking at. I mean, there's, like, a bunch of games now, and I have to... Oh, and Halo ODST, of course. Mm-hmm. And I sort of have to... It's hard to always choose. I'm kind of looking forward to the Forza review being done so that I can stop playing it and go on to something else. Not that Forza isn't good. It's just, like, I, I don't... I can't there's really so play... so many games you just get yeah, I, can't, I can't play, like, Uncharted 2 right now because I have to keep playing That's, Forza, yeah, you know. I got so. Uncharted 2 yesterday, and... I can't play it yet because yeah. I've got so many other games to review. I keep hearing Uncharted 2 is like the greatest thing of all time. That's what everyone keeps telling except, me. Except all of us it, here are just staring at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got too much other stuff to deal with. But uh, I did start playing Brutal Legend. And uh, I guess we'll have that review on Monday uh, from Damon, who has already beaten it. But uh, yeah, that's cool. I mean, I've only played pretty much the stuff that I already played at preview events. But I mean, the game's a lot of fun. It's really funny. Yeah, I guess what what I've been spending a lot of my time on is kind of 360 related because there is a console version of this uh, coming out uh, sort of sometime next year. I'm not sure when, um, but it's Risen. Um, it's a sort of open world fantasy role playing game from uh, Piranha Bytes, um, who have, who made the whole Gothic series, like Gothic one through three, um, and this is sort of their new game after they got sort of there were some uh, complications with the the Gothic franchise after three came out, and in in my opinion, it was kind of a, a buggy mess and. and <laughs> not enjoyable to play whatsoever um so gothic 4 is being made by somebody else and it's not even called gothic 4 it's called arcania gothic tale that is also coming to consoles or is supposed to uh next year this is so nerdy (laughs) this is incredibly nerdy but but it's it's we talk about divinity 2 for a little while too just to really make sure (laughs) everybody nerds (laughs) out um 
Well, I mean, I th- I've been playing it on PC uh, so far because it just came out uh, last Friday, and I've I've found it to be really good. And anyone anyone who's played Gothic before is absolutely like the game. I haven't put up a review yet, but I've played through pretty much the whole thing at this point, and uh, yeah, it's just it's a lot of fun. But it's not it's not the style of game that somebody who's played like Oblivion, where it's like Oblivion totally holds your hand. Like it's it's more in the in the Gothic style where it's like smacks your hand. Well, it, <laughs> it doesn't really even extend a hand. It, well, at least the earlier Gothic it's, games. It gives a finger. It's just sort of like, well, you're in the game world. Like more like Morrowind, I guess, mm-hmm. where it's just like you know, just sort of do what you want. And that's we're true. Not Morrowind gonna... was like you got off the boat and it was into like be nerdy. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. We dare around in the muddled browns and grays of Morrowind. Yeah. I do remember, like Morrowind. I thought that game looked so good, and if you go back and look at it, no, <laughs> it, it did. It did look wow. good at the time. Barely yeah, runs a lot on of 360. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Morrowind was like the thing where you get off the boat, it, like within five minutes, you're creating a character, and it's all crazy RPG stuff. And then you start walking around, and it's like you're like, oh, I locked house. I'll try to lockpick that. It's like you need a much higher lockpick <laughs> skill than you'll ever have. Yeah. It's like the first locked door is something that you can't pick until you're like level 25 or something. So you go fight some mud crabs. Yep. Yeah, so it's the same sort of thing. I will say, though, that Risen definitely has a lot more hand-holding than previous uh, Piranobytes games. So, I mean, there's still bits where they really... I mean, it's like, go get this map thing from this dude, and then you go get it, and then you're like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with this map after I get it. And they don't really like tell life. you. You so, just, so just kind of have to figure it out. And you just pick up some maps, and you're like, I don't know what to do with these. Maps. I mean, aside from look at the map, obviously that's yeah. that's of course an option. But is, it, is the game better than Batman? Uh, the, those could probably not be more different okay. games. I've been playing Batman. Finally. Okay, I actually beat it for the first time about a week ago. So I think it's the game in the year 2009. That's a pretty good game. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I still need to go through that. I mean, I'd say of the games that I've played so far, through so far, yes, but I haven't played Uncharted 2, obviously Assassin's Creed 2, Modern Warfare 2. um, But so far, yeah, that would be, I think that's the best game. No, No Street Fighter, no Street Fighter 4 love here. Well, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm saving yeah. my vote for Super Street Fighter 4 at this point. <laughs> oh, I, why would they put T-Hawk back in that game? T-Hawk is awesome. <laughs> no, he's not. He's yes, terrible. He is. He's the stupidest T-Hawk. idle animation ever. <laughs> Who stands like that? <laughs> I like how Eric's doing the idle animation as if, as if the listeners could actually see this. Eric, I enjoyed it. I like the idle animation. As well done. Eric's still doing it, by the way. <laughs> I'm just going to keep idling for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> uh, good times. Yeah, I well, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't so happy about that, but... But there are games aplenty flooding us, which mm-hmm. is the point, I think. That's that's fun. Always makes it fun. I still can't play most of them, so... Well, yes, you say, you say Batman's your favorite game of the year, but... It's also ma- the only game I've played this year, pretty much. Well, so. Okay, well, there you go. By default. <laughs> it's, it's a good one, though. A good one to play. Uh, it's technically, game. it's probably the worst game you've played this year, then, too, right? It's the only game. Um, that's that's yeah, actually a good point. What's the worst game you've played this year? Um, hmm. Is it Batman? Um, I'd say... Uh, Put me on the spot here. Oh, uh, Resistance One. Yeah, I know it's like three years late, but uh, I finally put that in. Mm-hmm. Uh, got on, got on the cheap. It's terrible. Played for two levels. Like done. I'm sure. This. I'm sure you could find worse games than that. For instance, the Warrior Street Brawl, which came out on XBLA <laughs> a little while ago. Which <laughs> darkest of days. Oh, or yeah. darkest of days. Yeah. Any there's of those. Some, there's would, some stinkers out there. Yeah. yeah. It's tough when you have to actually buy your games. Uh, you know, to to play them all. Hey, whatever. I <laughs> I buy stuff. Yeah, whatever. This is just. Yeah. Well, I do. I'm just this saying. year is just a tease for next year. The oh, first, yeah. first, quarter, half of 20, first half of 2010 is going to be so insane. Uh, what have you got? Crackdown to Alan Wake, Mass Effect Mass to Splinter Cell, 
Bayonetta, which looks actually really good. Um, yeah, Bayonetta, I got to play E3 for, like, I only played for 10 minutes, but that game felt real. like, it just, it, the the combos just felt like they worked, like, yeah, it's totally. Like, it's like the first four months of next year are pretty much going to be, like, one of the best holiday seasons Don't that we've ever had. A lot of those things are going to get delayed into the fall. Some like, of them are not. Man, they keep saying Mass Effect is spring, but I... I am well, going. I would go to I, Vegas and put a hundred bucks on that going fall. I I am going to say, I'm going to go out of limb and say Mass Effect Two is not spring. It will be before spring. What? Oh yeah, I put that there. <laughs> so. Don't forget, winter officially starts to like December 21st. Yeah, so and goes you, until March, March 20th. So I you're think. saying before March? I am March saying I'm saying it will be earlier than we think. I, I, I will say this. I think the only thing that will delay it is if EA says, like, hey, we'd like too, to make more money on there this. There are too Let's many big games, game. or if they're worried that they're not going to have anything for the mm-hmm. fall, that they would just hold it off. But I think that game will actually be out before. See, why would they want to do March. that? Because it seems like Dragon Age is so big that when that comes out this, this fall, people are still going to be. Like the hardcore Dragon Age Bioware fans, but still gonna be playing that in like January, February. I think. Well, I think that'll do really well on PC. I think the question is how well that will actually perform on console, because I'm sure that's one of their concerns. I want to play it. Yeah, I want to play it too. And my PC sucks, so I'm gonna play it on 360. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I did get the chance to play it on 360 very briefly at a at a preview event a little while back, and it seemed to work all right. I mean, you get like. Uh, little slots that you can put your skills and stuff like that. You can still pause the action and and mm. you know check stuff out and do it through menus. So it's not like you're forced to to do it all in real time anyway. So, I mean that seems workable. It just depends on I guess the menu navigation really, and mm-hmm. if and if the graphics can perform the admirably. Graphics. Yes, the graphics. If they can <laughs> if they can perform uh, admirably. But yeah, I mean there's still like what like Bioshock Two is coming out next year. There's supposed to be like Red Dead Redemption is supposed to come out at some yeah, point. Yeah, and they, they, I think they said by spring. And then uh, you've got uh, Gran Turismo Five is coming out in March. Love uh, is Inferno, right? Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, there's just there seems to be just a ton of stuff. So, and then of course we're probably gonna have DLC for a bunch of the games that came out this year. So, mm-hmm. I'd assume we're gonna get you know Modern Warfare 2 map packs and for 20 bucks this time. Yeah, why not? They sold so well. Five bucks a map, do it. Uh, don't give them ideas. Oh, I'm sure that's <laughs> that's probably one of the lesser ideas they're like. Don't oh, forget yeah. the motion controller for PS3 is coming out in March as well. Everyone's excited about that. The, the wand. <laughs> the wand. They, what is that officially called? Is it called, just called the, the PS3 wand control? But, uh, they haven't. They haven't. Don't have official name. For that's it. that's Still catchy. Name. That's catchy. Well, yeah. it's not Natal is not the official name for the 360 one either. Yeah, but that's what we call it. Well, that's what they call it. That's the code name. Well, the code name is Project Natal. Project not Natal. Natal. What do you think they're actually going to call it? I think it's going to be something really bad. No, I think they're screwed because they've gone on national TV showcasing Project Natal. I think that it yeah, would be. Yeah, I think be, it needs to stay Natal. I think it would be ridiculous yeah. to change it now that, that they've they've taught people. Yeah. Plus, but what, I mean, what do you think they could change it to that would be really hilarious? It's too bad Jeff Bell's not around. Vision camera. Oh no. No. Wait. No. <laughs> now remember, Microsoft's thing nowadays is they love like those really short catchphrase words yeah, like that don't Bing. make any sense, like Bing and Zune. They love that stuff. So Natal fits right into that where you're like, what the hell could that it's possibly be? two syllables, mean? though. Yeah, they that's could, true. Shut it down. <laughs> so Boone is what you're saying? Yeah, Boone. Boone cam? It's going to happen. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Call it the Voom? Yeah. But, I mean, in terms of, like, Mass Effect coming out earlier, you'd figure, like, because Bioware's been saying since the start that there's going to be a ridiculous amount of Dragon Age downloadable content. Like, that they're just going to come out with that stuff all the time. So, yeah. Well, I think there's Dragon Age content day one, so downloadable. And, and, and so. day one stuff, yeah. So, I mean, you know, 
people <laughs> will still yeah. be playing that for sure. And like on PC, at least people are going to be using the like building their own stuff. I would but say. to be fair, if you're a big Bioware fan and you've had Dragon Age since November. I mean, the minute that Mass Effect... I mean, I, I'm just saying, I think we would all buy both. Even if Mass Effect came out two months later, we wouldn't hesitate to buy Mass Effect 2. So. I still think it's eating into your DLC profits. Because as soon as Mass Effect comes out, I'm not going to go play Dragon Age again. I guess that's unknown territory. We don't really know the metrics of that, Eric. It's true. Yeah. Personally, you, better, you better get your metrics straight. Yeah. <laughs> My metrics go all over the place. We all know that. You better check your metrics, buddy. But, I mean, I guess the surprising thing is how... I mean, I don't know if you guys have looked at this, but, like, a, a, a role-playing game will come out, like a huge role-playing game, um, and, like, two days later, pe- people have already beaten the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you go on, like, the official message board, and people are like, I did not like the ending of this game. And it's like, wh- how is that even possible? It's like, I'm still in the intro zone, and you're, like, through the final end boss. Like, I didn't I guess the, there's some sort of correlation with either they're more efficient at playing or maybe these people don't have... Take some time off work or... Or, yeah, I guess people could, yeah, take some time off of work or if there is work, I guess. Have you ever taken or a day off? Or just be off? so rich that they can sit at home <laughs> and play. Outside of when you were working at IGN, have any of you ever actually taken like a sick day or anything like that or an actual vacation day to play a game? I pretended to be sick when I was in like elementary school and high school. The first game I ever did it for was uh, Road Rash. I pretended to be sick so I could sit at home, <laughs> and I sat there, and I sat there on the first course just with that crappy first motorcycle you get, and I did it over and over and over and over again until I got enough money to buy like that ni- the black ninja bike. Nice. And then I just like took jumps through the entire game with that thing. Wasn't that the bike that basically broke the game? Like yep. you'd fly off of a, a, a hill and you wouldn't land yep, for like exactly. five minutes. <laughs> you would just fly right across the finish line with that thing. Uh, the first yeah. time I ever uh, pretended to be sick for a game uh, in school was Super Metroid. I got Super Metroid, and it was one of those things where I got it, like, really late. Uh, like, I got it at 9 at, like, 8 o'clock or whatever like that from Toys R Us or something. And then I didn't wasn't able to allow to really play it for very long before I had a bedtime. So I pretended to be sick the next day. Did the old uh, thermometer, like, near the uh, the light, which is always one of those things because, one, you don't want your mom to come in while it's still up there. It's got to be in your mouth. And you don't want it to go with something crazy like 106 because yeah. then all of a sudden you're in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But you don't want it to be. But then you have to worry because you don't want it to not be very high and then put it in your mouth and have it cool down before your mom comes back. Because you never quite know like how long she'll disappear for. Because mm-hmm. she never has a true sense of how long it takes to take a temperature. Mm-hmm. Could be five minutes. Could be ten minutes sometimes. So it's tricky. But I managed to. I managed to to nail it down. Did the sick thing. You know. I got out of it. Got to play Super Metroid all day. It was amazing. Yeah, that's pretty good. I probably didn't. I think I probably missed out on uh, geography that day. So. That's why I don't know whether uh, Africa is a country or a continent. All you got to know is Mexico's <laughs> north, Canada south. Yep. That's how it works. Oh, that's the other one I probably missed. Yep. Then. Not yeah. to sound like a nerd, but I had perfect attendance all through school. So nerd. Perfect. Yep. Wow, that's... All through high school, all four years. Wow. At college, I don't think I missed many classes. But yeah, if, in order for me to be sick and not go to school, I had to literally be like throwing up in my bed in order for my mom not to be like, all right, yeah, you don't have to Yeah, my, my... I could fake that. After I fake sick once or twice, my mom wisened up. And then that, that sucked because you get screwed. And then you try to pretend to be sick or you actually are sick and you're still going. Either which way, you're going. And then, Boy, we cried wolf, am I right? Yep. Oh, man. I came out, I'm going to kill so many great excuses. 20 years later. <laughs> I told uh, – we had a carpool. I told the carpool person when they showed up that I couldn't go because my dog buried one of my shoes. 
What? That's awesome. She bought it too. She was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but then the problem was she then when she got home after dropping the other kids off at school, she called my mom and was like, I just want to let you know uh, Hillary couldn't go to school because the dog buried a shoe. And my mom called me and me was like, get your ass to school now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's uh, that's not the best excuse. <laughs> no, it's dog buried <laughs> it was a lame excuse. Well, someone bought it apparently. So Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I guess... Some poor trusting fool. I, I, I guess I never really faked being being sick, but I did get, living around uh, the Great Lakes area around Buffalo, um, I did have an incredibly convenient series of snow days, um, right, nice. like, the, the two days after I got uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, like, there were two, there was basically an epic blizzard, <laughs> and I got to wow. sit home on two snow days and play that game all day. Which, by the way, the weirdest thing is when you live in San Diego, uh, every, like, once in a blue moon, every few years, like, you'll actually have a very minor hailstorm, and so you'll be in class, and hail kind of comes down, and it sort of creates a little bit of mush on the ground, and it, people act as if God is crapping gold outside. Like, teachers are like, everybody go outside, start throwing snowballs, and it's like, people are trying to pack hail into a ball, <laughs> which is just an awful thing and everybody's so excited because for five and it really does only last five minutes before it's all melted everybody thinks that like something amazing has happened to us it's charlie and the chocolate factory for yeah, everybody it's, it's global warming that's what it is yeah. <laughs> so. See, yeah, it probably I, never happens anymore in san diego i grew up in the northeast and we got our fair share of snow days but we also had a superintendent of schools who had major major problems and uh he would sometimes just decide to cancel school and give us snow days when it wasn't snowing at all so occasionally i would wake up and it would be like 50 degrees and raining and like the radio would be like and you know you're you don't have school today and my parents would, would get so mad it was pretty awesome for us though except we had something like 35 snow days one year so we were going to school like until the fourth of july because they keep stacking them on the end. Yeah, listening to that like crawl, either on the or watching the crawl or listening to it on the radio, used to be oh, the yeah. greatest thing of all time. You're like, you oh see- my god, it's yeah. snowing so hard outside. Wait for it. They're going in alphabetical order <laughs> and score. Yes, not going in. Awesome. Don't have to ride the stupid bus. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good. But yeah, I never, I never actually like if I was ever sick. Um, I'd never really feel like playing a video game. I don't know about you guys, but if I was legitimately sick, I'd just be like, I can't move right now. When I had mono in high school, I still kept going to school, but when I got home, I basically couldn't do anything. And so I played uh, Bust Move 2 on Sega Saturn <laughs> pretty much every single day for like a month and a half. It's terrible. It was awesome. Yeah. The game's great. <laughs> did, did you win? Oh, nobody could beat me at that game after that. It's too bad we don't have Dave on here because Dave does have the best game story ever or worst when he got Lyme disease and he couldn't get out of bed so he just played Morrowind for like a month. That is definitely a game to sort of dive into (laughs) if you're in that situation. What are there, about 8 billion dungeons in that game? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the the role-playing games or the, the MMOs would be a good thing to do as well. And on that note, we are going to have to pause for a second to allow the Turn 10 guys to call in. Yes. All right, and we are here with Dan Greenwald and Che Chu from Turn 10 Studios to talk about Forza 3, and we're going to let Hillary take the reins on this because he has been playing this game <laughs> so much over the past month. I have, I have, I have uh, the, the fortune and the misfortune of one playing pretty much through all six seasons on the debug version they sent me, and the minute that I finished season six, I got a retail version. And then I was like, man, I have to play through this all over again. <laughs> those seasons start to get really long. The season five and season six are incredibly long. So uh, 
So yeah, it's uh, it's been great to be able to play through the game twice, but it's certainly like it's certainly eaten away so in my marriage. I'm actually doing the same thing. <laughs> uh, I, I I got to level 35 on the on my debug on my dev kit, and now I, I'm at level 10 or something. So starting over. I don't mean to brag, but I've totally passed you by on the retail version. I'm, I'm <laughs> I think I'm 36 now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So uh, let me ask you this. Now that you guys have finished with the game, obviously, since we have a retail disc of it, um, uh, was there anything that uh, maybe didn't make the disc that you wish you could have done? Um, not really. I mean, this we really took our time on this one and tried to scope our work fairly early. We reorganized the team to give the team uh, the ability to kind of divide and conquer and do more features and do them to a higher quality level. So there wasn't really anything that we... Uh, you know, I guess what it comes down to is the only things we still had that we didn't do were things that we thought are more like a year out, two years out, things that we needed to invest in new technology in order to do. Um, but no no little uh, little features or little polish. Cool. Um, so maybe for people who don't know too much about Forza, can you talk about the career mode? Because that's actually one of the biggest changes from Forza 2. Well, you know, I think even you'd be able to, to speak to this pretty well. When you restart your career, my, I imagine your career is very different this time than it was last time. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I think all of this comes down to our vision. So the vision of this product, the vision of this franchise from the beginning was to turn gamers into car lovers and car lovers into gamers. It was about passion. And so while we have 400 cars in the game, my expectation is you don't play all of them. And the season mode, the new career mode, is actually meant to accentuate that. So... As you're playing through the career and you go buy a car, for example, uh, like I got about 15 minutes into the career, maybe 20 minutes into the career in the retail copy, and I went and bought my real-world car, an Audi S4. Well, at that moment in the game, you can buy like 80 different cars in the game, more cars than most games even have. And the moment you do that, the career starts changing what it offers you. So I got offered the uh, M3 versus S4 Challenge and the Audi Track Day and the All-Wheel Drive Club and the Elite All-Wheel Drive, and it started feeling like a very customized kind of quattro game, like I was playing Forza Motorsport Audi Edition. And that's how the season mode works. So instead of just dropping you into the deep weeds of here's 220 events, figure it out, the game actually looks at the cars you own and the types of cars you're into and sort of your passion and suggests events for you and drops them into your calendar. So, and again, hopefully stokes passion for cars, teaches you new things about cars, and the cars you are interested in, it rewards you for liking them. So one of the things that I noticed about the game is when I played Forza 2, I found it a little bit difficult to play, to drive some of the cars with all these stuff with a controller. But I actually haven't had that issue with Forza 3. I mean, obviously there are some cars that are really high-end that you just have to really kind of be very cautious in how quickly you accelerate and brake. But I've been able to actually drive every car and not get frustrated. And, you know, that's something I think that's kind of unique for sim racing games with all the assists off. Like, what did you guys do to adjust stuff so that people could actually play with a controller with kind of close to the same level of control that they get from a racing wheel? Well, you know, it takes a little bit of trickery, but I think the first, it's two points. The first thing is our simulation is better. And the fact that the tires have now tire flex and they've got the tire springiness and the way the tires just interact like a big complex weather system, it actually makes the tires easier to understand what's going on. They talk to you more. They're more forgiving. Um, and so it's actually by being more of a simulation, the cars got easier to just control and talk to. But 
I think more importantly, and what you're speaking to more directly, is some changes we made to the layer between the controller and the physics. So our goal is never to make compromises on the physics. So we never do anything Arcadian there. Everything that we've learned about simulation through our partnerships with McLaren and Pirelli, we've included it all to be just on the total cutting edge of simulation. But <clears throat> you don't drive a car in the real world with a controller. And if you did, you'd kill yourself pretty quickly. So what we have to do is put in a layer that kind of reads your mind. If you're going tap, 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 full left, you don't want to go full 900 degree you know, rotation to the left in a split second. What you're trying to do is, hey, I kind of want to be a little bit less than peak friction. Um, and so we've got buffers in there, as well as a little bit of uh, kind of, it is like reading your mind to know, okay, you're counter steering, but you don't want full counter steer, or you're turning in, or you've been doing kind of a flick left to right, and it reads your mind a little bit and puts those layers in. Now the wheel, of course, we strip all that out. So when you're driving to the wheel, you're driving the raw physics. Uh, but that controller layer, we've been learning. You know, we worked on racing, I worked on racing games long before Forza Motorsport, and we had those layers in those games, and we continue to learn new tricks by watching players drive and learning more about what do they really intend to do when they're hitting tap, 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 or full left, or full right, and uh, can kind of do that for them. So I like that Forza 3 includes mind reading. That actually seems like a technology that's more advanced than Natal. <laughs> I think it comes down to studying people. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Natal, um, you know, one of the demos that Microsoft likes to show is uh, people playing Burnout standing up. Uh, I know that I like to drive standing up. Uh, <laughs> but, but, I mean, the thing that... Uh, you, you've got a segue, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The... the, uh, the that, well, I'm pretentious. I own a Prius and a Segway, so I park my Prius in a handicapped spot because when you drive a Prius, you're allowed to park wherever you want. You just do whatever you want. Yeah, right. and then I yeah, and then the I pull out I pull out my Segway. The high ground. Yeah, I pull out my Segway and then I drive on the sidewalk with it. So now, if only they combine the two, if you could drive your Prius using Segway leaning controls, uh, you know, you'd have the ultimate moral <laughs> high ground. Yeah, I tried that. It's a bad, it's a bad move to just put the Segway inside the Prius. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, is that is that maybe is a Segway maybe a potential DLC for you guys? <laughs> I have not even considered that. <laughs> <laughs> you can ask a lot of questions. That that there's a new one for me. <laughs> I was thinking, I mean, that would have been... I'm saying that that would have been a great reward for beating, uh, finishing out the sixth uh, season in career mode. Mm -hmm. You know, I beat that, and then it's like, get out of the car, get on a Segway. I think if you threw some racing slicks and a roll cage and maybe some downforce... <laughs> <a roll cage. laughs> I'd love to see that on YouTube. So, you know, if you get that worked out, please send me a link. <laughs> well, we'll, hey, Hillary, we'll work on that. Uh, take for you so i know what you guys say which is your line is that uh, you don't want to punish people for using the rewind which i think is fair uh my thing would be i feel that i mean first of all anybody who's hardcore don't use it there you go you never have to actually hit the back button and use the rewind so if you think that that changes the game for you uh just don't use it at all i think that it's a easy temptation though it's real i think it's really hard 
not to use it. And to my knowledge, you can't actually turn it off in the menus. Uh, and that was the one thing is that I totally agree that you shouldn't be punished for it. But, you know, I don't get punished in the game right for uh, playing like with uh, automatic shifting, right? But I get a bonus if I switch to manual. I get a cash bonus. So to me, I do think that there should have been an option that if I turn off rewind, that I would get a cash bonus basically for that. You know, everything else is, you know, you get to that, you can get to that times two cash bonus if you turn all the assists off, do manual with clutch, and play with uh, hard AI. And to me, you could add one more thing where you get a 10% by, you know, cash bonus by not using rewind because then you're doing pure racing and you're not punishing somebody for using rewind you're just saying rewarding them for not you're rewarding them. them if they race as pure as possible which is what all the other stuff leads to but to me i use yeah. it i used it i mean to me i like i hate i frankly i i would hate a racing game where i've been racing for like 40 minutes and you know then i make one mistake or worse you know i get tapped from behind and i spin out and it's like the race is lost to me especially because i play you know with like full wear and tear which like those endurance races like honestly the first five seasons you never really see the effect of that um certainly not for like you know the wear on your tires, the gas, all that stuff. But, like, when you get to those endurance races, like, that stuff does actually start to make a difference. And all those little minor dings that you do with other cars and other races don't really have a factor, but they definitely do in the last season when you start hitting those endurance races. And, uh, yeah, for me, not to have the rewind, like, I would I would just hate to go through so much of that and then, uh, and then get screwed over. Like, I hated... Um, grid drove me crazy because they had like the le mans races you know that were long and you and you had like a limited number of rewinds and you know it always drove me crazy that if you got in that last lap and you'd already used the three rewinds you had or whatever you just get that that you almost like i would actually race worse because i would be so afraid of making that one mistake Mm -hmm. so i do appreciate that enforcer that it's like look if you're gonna have it just you know let it be free don't you know kind of ping people for it if you're gonna have rewind have rewind and just let people use it whenever they want i mean it's, well, it's, the thing you might have already found, uh, we certainly found when we were playtesting the game, was that people are turning their difficulty up. Mm-hmm. Because when you turn the difficulty up, for 90% of the race, you're getting great wheel-to-wheel action. It's really fun. The AI's attacking. You know, you're, you're really in a hard, hard, heat, heated battle. But usually when you get in that cruising altitude and you're a few hours into a racing game, you really want to win. And so you end up turning the difficulty to a point where you know you can still make one big mistake and come back and win. Well, that makes most of the race really boring because you're way ahead of the AI until you finally make that mistake you were waiting for. And what we found is people were just turning the difficulty up higher than they probably would have in Forza Motorsport 2 or any other racing game. And having now the 90% of the race is more wheel-to-wheel that's more attacking with the AI. And that's really cool to see, Um, just that it's having that effect on people's playing. No, I'd agree with that. I think it really frees you up from the beginning. And, I mean, to me, you know, I think that the game with, like, most of the assists on, certainly, like, things like traction control and stuff, I, th- I think that really sort of mutes the sort of the effect of driving each different car. Like, just, I mean, the, I mean we feel, the more assists you have on, the more every car feels the same. But when you're able to peel off the layers and drop most of the assists or all of the assists, I mean, you can really feel the difference from one car to the next. And you can actually kind of almost appreciate a car that is a high-end car that actually drives and controls well and is stable over a lot of the cars that, you know, as soon if you gun, you know, the, the gas or something like that, you know, you're going to lose all your traction. So, I mean, yeah. it's a great way to appreciate the cars, and you, you're just yeah. not going to get that if you have to play with all the assists on. And I think a lot of people would not play with the assists off if, you know, one mistake ended the race for them. 
Right, exactly. I think uh, kind of to what Dan was saying, um, I never used to play Forza 2 on hard AI because um, the AI is like very hard. And if you aren't, you know, if you're not stepping up to your game, every corner giving the right line, you're not really catching up to them. Well, now with the rewind button, I'm actually playing on hard AI and I'm finding that um, I can redo corners that I screw up on and I do eventually catch up to the, to the hard AI. And I, you know, that battle for first place with, uh, with M. Rossi is always... <laughs> And it always comes down to that last lap, you're gritting your teeth, and you're just like on the last corner kind of a thing. So to me, it just, it changes, it evolves the game into a different kind of tension than it used to be. Um, to me, it, there still is a lot of tension there. I mean, just because you rewind doesn't mean you don't have to, you know, get that corner right. You still have to do it. Um, so, I don't know, to me, it, it does change the game into a different kind of attention. And I think it does teach you, and I think it's a great replacement, actually, for the racing lines. Like, I think the the tools, you know, especially for, you know, showing you, you know, when to brake and how hard to brake for those racing lines that appear. Like, but if you have the rewind, I mean, I think it actually is more helpful to learn on your own. Because you become too dependent on just following what the line teaches you. And I think if you turn those off and just let, you know, correct your mistake with the rewind, you'll actually... Uh, more quickly and better learn how to take corners, especially with specific kind of cars and stuff. So I think it, it's like the rewind to me is like a great teaching tool too. Yeah. So the game's pretty good. I guess that's what I'd say. <laughs> yeah, that, that whole conversation made me really want to play the game. <laughs> Basically. No, it's. I mean, it's. I mean, it's surprising just how different it is. I mean, I think everything. Even you know, what's interesting is that you have actually a lot of the tracks that you guys had in Forza 2, but you know, you can just see the difference visually in them, you know, for everything from the lighting and the better frame rate and all of that, like, because you can instantly compare, you know, Laguna Seca to, like, from two and three, I mean, it's it's great to be able to look at a couple of those uh, things and just kind of see how much better the game looks. So speaking of all the content that's on this game, uh, there's too much to fit onto one DVD. So when you get the game, uh, it'll come with two discs, and you have the option to install... Uh, a little over 100 cars and uh, 29 tracks on disc two. So, Dan, maybe if you can explain sort of how disc two works. Well, as soon as you boot up Forza Motorsport uh, disc one, then it kind of prompts you to install disc two. And if you've got space in your hard drive or depending on which stuff you want, you can install it. And it functions just like DLC did in Forza Motorsport two. Uh, but what's really cool is how the career actually integrates it. So as soon as you install it, you know, new cars can be purchased, and new cars show up in your AI fields. Um, so the, the career just kind of absorbs it. And um, so it's not required, because obviously even with the single disc, you've got 300-plus cars, and you've got, you know, so many tracks, and a very, very complete single player. But if there's that car that you really wanted to drive, maybe a, a car you had in high school, like a 94 Civic hatchback, right? Um, you can just install it from disc two and uh, go play it through your career. Cool. Um, and uh, none of that stuff will necessarily affect the career mode, correct? If I don't have if I don't have the space to install disc two, career mode is not really going to be affected too much. Yeah, hardly at all. I mean, there's there's so many events in the career, and there's so many cars already on disc one that we still have full AI fields and you can still do the events and see lots of, uh, you know, have great racing action. It just kind of, it's more like a back catalog, I guess is a way to think of it. It's cars that we had in Forza Motorsport 2 that we wanted to add up res and add new features to and put cockpit and, 
you know, obviously, if we're going to do a car, we're going to do everything for it. So cockpit, damage, customization, rollover, all of that. And uh, it's hard to pick which cars you want to carry forward. So we carried forward as many as we could. So I will say my only beef, honestly, with Disc 2 is that uh, my three favorite racing environments are the three that are on Disc 2. And that the – because you can download – the individual packs, so you can just say, I want the Asian Racing Car patch or, pack or the U.S. pack or uh, the European pack. And those are actually small enough to fit on a 512 megabyte memory card if you don't have a hard drive. However, the, the racing environments are too big to fit on a memory card because I think it's like 700 megabytes. So you have to have a hard drive. And I would argue those are my three favorite uh, tracks. So if I did not have a hard drive, I'd probably be crying. <laughs> they are great tracks, but you know the career the career goes on without them. So you can't actually do the full career and right. Um, you know even without those tracks. But yeah, they're great tracks. They're a really different style of track, which is why we section them off. Yeah. Um, the other tracks are more traditional circuit tracks, and those three tracks are a little more like uh, a little more like a road rally. You know, there's just so much more distance you're traveling. It's almost impossible to memorize those for most people. Um, so it's a different style entirely. Yeah, I was hoping you guys would add navigators to some of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually why. I, I, love, I love rally racing games, so I think that's probably why those tracks actually appeal to me. Mm. Um, so one of the other things that you guys are bringing back that I think was probably the biggest hit of Forza 2 is the livery editor. Now, I'm not in any way an expert on using the livery editor. I can basically make basic shapes and stuff smiley that... Smiley faces. Like, yeah, smiley faces and stuff that's <laughs> embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like I'm a fifth grader doing an art project with it. So I actually don't understand what has changed from it because it looks to me very similar, and I'm not, uh, I'm not versed enough in the livery editor to know what you've improved in it. Well... Part of the thing is the vision of the livery editor. We're, our take on UGC is not just, hey, we want to give people customization. We're trying to actually make a class of person that's a, a hand crafter, you know, someone that's a real craftsman. And that means giving them extremely powerful tools. So we were left with an option at the end of Forza 2. Did we want to try and make everyone into a little bit of a craftsman by making something easy? Um, or reinvest in the true craftsmen and embrace the true power of UGC, which is getting craftsmen that make the community stronger because everybody else just gets in line to be a consumer. So we actually hired Fred Howell, who is a painter out of our community, and he helped us design ways of making it more powerful for great painters like he is. So one of the big changes is you don't have to paint on the top of a Mini Cooper anymore when you want to do kind of a mural. You can go into the vinyl editor or uh, the the layer group editor, and you can put up grid lines and replicate something that maybe you've hand-drawn uh, on a sheet of paper, and then it's done on this sort of flat space, and then you can put it up in your storefront for people to download and buy. So it's, uh, it's for those guys, for that, you know, I don't know, is it 1%? Is it even less than 1% of these truly power users? They're going to be prolific now. They can make really, really cool artwork much faster, much easier, and then they can distribute it and go to the top of those uh, painter scoreboards. Yeah, and you mentioned the storefront real quick, but I, I mean, that's even though there's very few people that actually have uh, the retail disc right now, I still check the storefront every day hoping that somebody mm -hmm. will have created something cool that I can download and pretend was mine. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> can, you talk, can you talk a little bit about how the storefront works and the leaderboards and even how like tuning setups work with that too? Yeah, you know, it's really a big suite of features. Like, it was always hard when people would say, hey, what's the what's the thing you added to Forza? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, Forza, <laughs> Forza's gotten really big. And even in the storefront, it's hard to kind of summarize in one or two words. Um, we have these powerful editors, and those attract different types of intelligence. In fact, we approach the design problem from more of an educator standpoint, looking at what are the different types of creativity we want to reward in our universe. And that included painters, obviously, and it included uh, people that take great photographs, and it included tuners. So our upgrade area is now deeper, more robust. It has more gray area. It has more deep grass for you to get lost in. And that allows those really creative tuners to make the most out of the system, to kind of trick the system. And then they can post those uh, tuning files onto their storefront. And as people download those tuning files, they rate them, they give this tuner money, that tuner will go to the top of the tuner scoreboards. So if you're a consumer, you can just go onto the storefront and find what Turn 10 has highlighted. Or if you found a tuner that you really like off the scoreboards, for example, or through word of mouth, you can mark them as a favorite, and it makes it really quick to go find their storefront and see what they've done this week. Uh, or if you're just getting into it, you can just go to the storefront straight out and see who are the power tuners, who are the power painters, and uh, become a fan of their work and start uh, following it week in and week out. But what's really cool about this, you know, as you mentioned, there's uh, right now there's maybe 100 people that are, you know, posting on our retail stuff because it's, it's obviously just reviewers and people in the studio. Uh, and then our MVPs are starting to get involved. But when this goes out so that there's millions of people in the community, that 1% is still like 100,000 and more people. Um, the stuff you're going to see on the scoreboards, frankly, I don't think any of us are capable of imagining yet because you have to get it in that creative group's hands before they'll do things that just kind of shock you. Yeah, I remember when uh, Forza 2 came out, uh, we would uh, try to get our users. We would basically every week for uh, a couple of months, we would just give them a task. We would say, make an iGen car. Mm -hmm. like we've had people make some Mario and Zelda cars and stuff. And the things people, some people would submit, I mean, were just incredible, like mind-blowing, like what some people could come up with. Yeah, you guys should, uh, I mean, you could have like an IGN storefront. And then, uh, you know, basically you can have your readers uh, gift you stuff that they design, like IGN liveries, IGN logos, you know, pictures of your face, whatever. And then you could you could offer all that up on, on your storefront for people to buy or get for free. That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna make hey. it look like the sidebar of my uh, math notes in eighth grade. <laughs> that would work. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think first car I need is a crib sheet. Mm -hmm. That definitely help out. <laughs> So, so there's one other area that we haven't touched on that you guys did a bunch of improvements that I actually think this, to me, this is actually the most impressive part. I know you guys are all about the physics and the cars, but I thought that the level of customization in the multiplayer is probably more than I think I've seen even in most first-person shooters. So you kind of talk a little bit about how the multiplayer setup works and kind of the stuff that you can do with it. Well, even like the livery editor, it is kind of a, or in the storefront, it's kind of a suite of features that... We added hoppers, similar to what you see in Call of Duty and Halo. And those are like trains that take off from the train station, and they've got set destinations that we've guaranteed are good destinations. And players can get in a party, Xbox Live party, go with their friends onto this train, get with other people they don't know, and start having a good time. So once you start looking at the hopper system, um, 
you've kind of got like the quick pick up and play really fun experience taken care of. And so then you look at, well, what can we do for depth? And when it came to depth, we just wanted to make almost like a scripting engine where you could go in and layer all of these different options, like keep it clean where you're not supposed to get damage and make it a team race and put different classes of cars that are locked and, you know, layer all these rules together and hopefully capture that same creativity that we have in the livery editor and in the tuning area from our social coordinators, people that just know how to make good rules out of this. And then we can bake that into the hoppers. So like in PGR, people started playing cat and mouse, and there was no real rule set. You kind of had to use an honor system about how cat and mouse was really working. Well, now you can actually bake those rules in, put in variants, and if it starts taking off in our community, we can pull it out and make it a hopper. And that becomes a cool pick-up-and-play experience for everybody in the community. So again, it's like a suite that self-feeds. You, you use the craftsmen, you use the creative people to feed the rest of the community and make it stronger. Cool. And I, I don't think that we could possibly have an interview with Turn 10 without asking about, you have one sort of monster competitor out there that's announced their release date for March of 2010. <laughs> uh, what, what do you guys think about uh, what's going on with Gran Turismo and like how do you guys view them? Well, obviously, you know, we, we've been competing with Gran Turismo for years. Um, that's obviously, it's the most obvious comparison between Forza, and it's the most obvious comparison for Gran Turismo is Forza. So um, it's a natural thing to be talking about. For me, you know, we have a lot of GT fans on the team, including myself, and, you know, when the game comes out, I'm going to play it. The thing I feel kind of badly for is that, you know, it's hard to make games. And they've got a very high-quality bar. Uh, Kazuno Yamichi-san and Polyphony Digital, they obviously, they're a great team. Um, you know, I don't know what struggles they've run into that have made the slips happen, but I can tell you as being a developer that's made demos, like uh, going to E3, and even making our demo we just released on Marketplace, it takes a lot of your team. It takes a lot of focus to polish something that you want to put out. And so every time you make a little product or a little demo or anything like that, um, you know, it, it takes focus from your team and it makes, uh, you know, keeping your eye on the prize, the big release, even harder. So is that what's happening with them? I don't know. Um, I know that would be very hard for us to make, you know, multiple games, all releasing and multiple demos and all these things. It's just really, really hard. And they're a great team, so I'm sure they're going to have a great product when it releases. Cool. Well, uh, thanks both of you, or Che, did you want to say something too? Well, I, I also, I just want to add that, you know, I think GT, um, they are, they, they do what they do super well, and, um, but at Turn 10, our focus is a bit different. I mean, we, you know, we focus on UGT and community, and we focus on customization, and it's just something we're passionate about, and they're passionate about other things, right? And so, and you can see it in their graphics and everything, so it's just, it's, I think it's two big teams with very high-quality bars going after kind of different visions of, of the same genre. And like Dan said, the comparison is obvious, um, you know, but it's a little, actually it's a little bit shocking to see how, like how, how deep the battle lines have been drawn and, <laughs> and sort of where the fans of both sides have been taking it. Um, and we just kind of sit back and sometimes it's amusing, sometimes it's disheartening, but it's, it's all, you know, it's just video games and it's all business, so whatever. 
Yeah, what's well, also console battle lines too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not just that these are exclusives for each right. platform, but it's like these are ones published by Sony, ones published by Microsoft. So whichever one wins in the fans' eyes uh, basically wins the console war. I think is how it goes. <laughs> well, no, no pressure. I think that's actually the hardest part is being caught up in something where you know, as I said, we've got great respect for their team and they're doing great work and. The development community is not very vitriol. You know, we, we share things at GDC. We've all been through these hard crunch cycles. And so I think we feel a lot more, it's, it's not very competitive down, you know, at the troop level. And um, you're right, we're caught up in this kind of, there's the console war, obviously there's the genre war, but then there's even these undertones now coming through of like Western development versus Eastern development. Mm. It's like the war just keeps escalating into these terms where I'm like, you know, look, this its this is not even the Jets versus the Sharks, much less, <laughs> you know, some giant army from one country from another. It's just not at that scale. You know, we're, we got a vision. We're trying to entertain people. We're trying to get a fan base really excited. We're, and more than anything, I think both teams are really trying to do the same thing about getting people excited about cars. We're passionate about cars. We want people passionate about cars. And I think that's what keeps us coming to work every day, not some battle and some war and some this and that. But what gets me excited is getting, you know, my sons and the kids on our team excited about cars the same way we are. And uh, and that's really what the game's all about, not some big warfare. <laughs> Dan and your beard. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're uh, part of the beard. Yeah, yeah the, the for, for people that, who don't know, Dan looks like he was an extra in 300. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't have the chiseled chest by a long shot. I, I think they've got that one on me. I am a game developer when it comes down to it, so I eat a lot more uh, cream donuts. <laughs> <laughs> but the bonus is that you're still alive, so you've got one up on them. <laughs> That's true. Well, thanks, guys, for uh, for taking the time out. And uh, Forza is not even going to be out in the U.S. until October 27th. So this has really been a giant tease for most of everyone who's <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> yeah. But if you want, yeah, any, was... anybody's welcome to come over to my house. We just hang out and play Forza. You know, it's cool. <laughs> I don't think I like that too much. That's true. <laughs> and I lied. <laughs> I have a cop who lives two doors down from me, so watch out. <laughs> All right, Dan and Shay, thanks for taking the time out. Uh, great game, and uh, you know we look forward to you know hi four to four to four to four. Get to work. <laughs> four to one to four. All right, later, Hillary. All right, see you guys. And, you know, that conversation midway through reminded me of something from when I was in... Was it another conversation about Forza? No. Oh, okay. It reminded me when I was in Tokyo. I was in Akihabara, which is uh, their, like, electronics district. And um, I saw a memory card for Xbox 360. It was a third-party one. But uh, it plugged into the memory unit, and it ha- but it had a an additional little slot in that memory unit for a micro SD card. And it came with, like, a 50-gigabyte... Uh, or something, some absurd giant uh, flash memory card. And apparently you just plugged in and it was like, it cost like 50 bucks. And it just put everything that Microsoft does in the U.S. with their $150 hard drives to shame. Oh my God, that sounds so awesome and yeah. sensible. Yeah, I was looking at it I was like, <laughs> oh my God, now this is the full realization of how much we are getting screwed in the U.S. Oh God, we are getting how come so no punched in the face with that stuff. I don't know. 
because it wouldn't because it wouldn't work properly. Because it because it would get corrupted and then you would just cry. Because your save files would get corrupt and then your entire seven hundred flashbacks to seven hundred all over again. Charles, perhaps your soul would be corrupted. Uh, that's that's also possible. But anyway, let's do some quick reader mail before closing this out. Okay. Um, all right. What am I starting with here? I'm gonna go with this one. Um, it's from. It's not uh, Hillary Golden Balls anymore. Um, I don't know exactly what that means, but the title is uh, Weenies, uh, and it starts with uh, so expletive. I'm a young gamer, still in high school, and I recently pre-ordered Modern Warfare 2, and I'm planning to go to the midnight launch. Uh, just wanted to say because this is my first major gaming nerdiness event, um, and I was a bit interested in what all of your first nerdiness events. So I think he's trying to ask if if what was our first like launch or or time we geeked out. Well, like my first tip would be uh, bring condoms. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, well, they're I'll, great. They're great for holding water, mm-hmm. and also you could get laid. You never know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I don't there's going to be many girls at that event. Just, no, probably thinking, not. But not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, I didn't really go to many midnight launches before working at IGN. I went to the Halo Two one in Times Square. That was fun. That's not bad. Yeah, they didn't really have a lot of launches around uh, in Buffalo, and honestly, I was—I've been—I <laughs> never had a lot of money before I started working, so <laughs> I didn't—I couldn't really travel anywhere or buy a lot of stuff at all. So, I—I uh, I stood in line to get a Dreamcast when it came out, but they didn't have midnight launch. They, it was just like you stood outside uh, Toys R Us with five other people at like See, I had just pre-ordered nine in the morning. Toys R Us, yeah, and there was no line. I pre-ordered mine, and then I showed up five minutes before the store opened, uh-huh. and there was like ten people there, and then oh, wow, really? you wanted to make sure you got you know your three games or whatever there was nobody, I was, there I was, was nobody so excited. in line for so excited uh, where I was yeah in. until i came here i don't think i ever oh no that's not true i had so when i was in college i worked in a comic book shop and the uh star wars episode one came out and my manager in the comic book shop was a humongous star wars nor- nerd so he bought everybody who worked there tickets but he actually stood in line for the whole thing and i showed up maybe a half hour before they let people in that was what i did yeah. with the star wars episode one one of my friends uh stood and waited for like two days to get us tickets yes. and then i just walked in and got the ticket <laughs> yeah and, and you get these set these angry looks from people who've been oh, there yeah. camped out there forever and you're just like hey buddy i brought some mcdonald's <laughs> and everybody's like how dare you and then i saw the movie and i was like this is horrible yeah. oh, and he yeah. poor poor clayton bought because he, he thought it was going to be the, the second coming, he bought four tickets in a row. So it was just like back oh. to back to back to back. And he, he said that by the middle of the second showing, he had fallen asleep. He <laughs> 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 said he was pretty much snoring during like the Senate Council stuff. <laughs> that movie's uh, that so, so awful. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't watched the third one. I mean, it just does I don't see a point. I've seen the no part, and that mm. seems yeah. Pretty really much. That's pretty much the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's no. It's actually a, a review of should I watch this movie, and then that's kind of it's a built-in response. It's yeah. very meta. It's the best of the new ones, though. I think. It is. That's the same. It's still a bad I mean, movie. Yeah, that's like when I take a crap in the morning. I'm like, I mean, this poo is the best it, of my poops. That's I'm like saying you. Saw One is the best of the Saw series, which it is. It is. Which it is. But it, like, I'd say that the. The third episode three in Star Wars is better than like X Men Origins Wolverine. Oh, that movie oh, was Wolverine is pretty bad. Yeah, that movie really sucked a lot, like big time. I heard I didn't see it, but I heard things, so I'm not gonna. Did you hear s- stuff uh, similar stuff to like what that. we just said? Uh, uh, well, and I would say also that episode three probably is better than Transformers two. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie either. Uh, Transformers two is a yeah. massive disaster. <laughs> 
much like this podcast. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think the original name was actually going to be Transformers 2 TRL, but yeah. we sued them. <laughs> three red lights. What happened if a Transformer had three red lights? <laughs> yeah, that's, how, that's what happens. Optimus Prime dies at the end because he gets a three red light flash on his chest and he just falls over. Like, oh, damn it. Somebody send me my cardboard coffin. Uh, yeah, but don't, <laughs> they, don't, they don't send those anymore. Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. They put him, they put him in a cardboard box, sent him back to Microsoft, and they returned him, and he was all better. Then, no, he had to go it's, to. Is this Optimus Prime over the, over three years old? It's like, yeah, it's a launch system. Don't worry. He, he had yeah, to go to. It's a Prime. Bumblebee had to call Max. He was like, hey, Max, hi, I would like to help you. He had to go to, like, uh, like Xbox Heaven for a second and talk to, talk to, talk to a bunch of, like, Xbox elders. Jeff Bell's there. They're all, like, elites with, like, 500 gig hard drives. Speaking of great movies, because Transformers 2 was horrible, and so was the other one we talked about, uh, whatever it was. Doesn't matter. G.I. Joe was also bad. But did anybody see Zombieland? No. No, I haven't oh seen that God. yet. Oh, my God. So far, that's the best movie I've seen this year. Is that Game of the Year? That's Game of the Year right <laughs> yeah. now. It's, it's, it's pretty Is hilarious. it pretty much Dead Rising, the movie? Because that's what the trailer looked like. Yes, it's as funny as Dead Rising 2. It's, it's great. And it's got probably one of the coolest cameos of all time. So, huh. Is it Burt Bacharach? It is not, but it's almost as good. And uh, <laughs> stay through to the credits because that cameo does make a second appearance at the very end of the credits that you don't want to miss. But yeah, Zombieland, one thing they get right. Transformers 2 was like two and a half hours long. The movie is under an hour and a half long. Yeah. So for like a funny, dumb zombie movie, That's it's like the do, perfect yeah. length. Like it never gets slow. They kill plenty of zombies. It's really, really funny. Like all the actors are good. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Nicholas Cooper writes in that... Uh, What's up? Ryan Clements, who was on last week's podcast, uh, sounds like McLovin, apparently. Ooh. All right. Yeah, last week's podcast when I think we played Nicolas Cage clips for about half of the entire yep, podcast. Did. That was that we, we was have, he can write in and say what I sound like for, for next week then. Yeah, there you go. There's an assignment. What does Jim sound like? Jim, what do you think you sound like? Um I don't know. I don't think I've ever really talked about that. I think you sound like if a McNugget could talk. Really? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Huh. <laughs> I, figure, I just figure McNuggets would have a higher pitched voice that can be like, "Hey, where I'm a McNugget." Well, I figure, I figure that would be sort of the joke of it is that McNuggets <laughs> actually just have sort of a like gruff voice and beards. I don't, I don't really listen to myself that often because I don't like the sound of my voice. So. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. The sound of Jim's voice or just hearing your own voice? Jim's voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, please stop emailing about where the Cabela's Big Game Hunter 2010 review is. I, yeah, where is it, Charles? It's it's on the way. I have <laughs> I have a backlog. Of, and not a for-fun backlog, a for-work backlog <laughs> <laughs> that I have to get through. And, uh, yeah, it'll it'll show up eventually. Is that? Do you have the feeling of, like, being pregnant and your baby's, like, a month late and you're just like, please get it out of me? Like, I hope it's not twins. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Um, well, there were two Cabela games that came out, so technically mm-hmm. it, it is twins. Oh, God. Um, okay, well, uh, this might be an interesting one from uh, Stephen M., um, talking about Natal, he says uh, Natal sounds like a good idea, but would it make? But what would make it even better would be if they had a Natal game where you do some parkour stuff, like in Mirror's Edge. But to do it right, you have to run on chairs, your coffee table, and you have to use, <laughs> and you have to have your younger sister lay on the ground so she can run and jump off her to get extra points. What do you guys think? Well, I don't have any furniture in my apartment, so that doesn't work for me. Do you have a uh, apparently you know a younger sister you can hop off? Maybe her they face. could maybe they could pack it in like a Target deal. Get get the Natal parkour game with like a Chinette set or something. I don't know. <laughs> this would pretty much be the most impossible game to make ever. But if they can make a game with Natal where you made like a pillow fort 
and it recognized what your fort was and somehow translated that into the game. And they, I don't know what they would, it would be some kind of strategy game, but you would actually be in your fort and doing stuff. But that see, would be the most right. fun. I would play that game for the rest of my well, life. Well, here, all right. All the right. tall so, rampart. Yeah. Pretty I'm, much. I'm going to comment on the pillow fort um, because the pillow fort is sweet. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm not going to deny that I haven't built pillow forts in my Everybody lifetime. Everybody has. Because I, I they're awesome. Yeah. But the thing Did is, you build them on a lava field where not, you can't step on the carpet? It, if it was a red carpet, it was a lava field, obviously. Yeah. Well, <laughs> see, that's the thing, though. What, building the pillow fort is great. And mm-hmm. like even draping a blanket over it so there's no light coming in. Because then, I mean, it's serious fort action yeah. going on there. But then once you're in the fort, you don't do anything. Unless you built your fort with the TV in it. Which was what we used to do. Oh, yeah. see, I've never done that. Yeah. I always built the fort, and then I was like, inside it, and huh. no one can know. Oh, that's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. I would just mm-hmm. pretend there's things out there that I'm shooting at. Like, well, that's, I mean, you're safe. That's so why. It's that's like, why an Atal game would be so great. You would be actually be shooting at stuff on the screen while popping out of your fort. That's an interesting idea. But see, I would never want the fort to. I, I would be really depressed if the fort was was uh, was breached. See, I would be really depressed if they made this game exactly like what I wanted, except they had really cartoony graphics because it was made for like six-year-olds. Yeah. And you were like, you know, shooting banana guns and stuff. And yeah, like, I'd want oh. to. I'd want a modern, like, dark and gritty pillow. I'd want game. it to be what I imagined when I was a kid, which was like, you know, I would built Camelot. It'd be yeah, it'd be sort of like <laughs> it'd be pillow fort, but it would be like medieval Blade Runner. Yeah. <laughs> Make it happen, somebody. All right, Pillow with Ford game. With way more talent than us. Pillow Ford games. <laughs> Wait, the question is, will Pillow Ford and Natal have RPG elements? If we can get of enough course. funding, RPG elements will make this game. You have wow. to put in RPG elements, even if it's just a menu option that doesn't lead anywhere. I think it'll have Twitter, too. As well. Oh, yeah, it'll have Twitter and Facebook. Of course, Twitter and Facebook functionality. Oh, you can also listen to Last FM while you're playing. Gaming's yep. over. It's over. <laughs> Twitter functionality. Uh, All right, we should probably disaster. Start this up. Let's do one okay. or two more. Uh, well, I've got this one. What, what? I might as well just read this now since I'm holding it, and I'm sure everyone's sick of hearing shuffling paper noises at this point. Um, <clears throat> from Waste of paper, jeez. What? You got to print stuff out on paper. What do you want me to print it anyway. out on? I can print it out on crackers. I don't think that would run through the copier very well. It'd be tastier though. Yeah, it yeah. would be tastier. Um, so Matthew uh, Rainey writes in. A YouTube link, which I will audio click. I don't know how to. We're gonna put that in the uh, the story because it's awesome. Okay, so everyone should just go to our webpage, xbox360.ign.com, and find the story because we're gonna embed the YouTube. And yeah, the story will be up on the the front page there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and the subject of the email, just to give a little indication, is Power Wheels Warthog. Whatever that could mean. All right, I think we're out of time. It's pretty awesome. Uh, if you want to write in for next week, we have an email address, three red lights at IGN.com. There's no numbers in there. It's all words. Uh, and you can feel free to rate us on iTunes if you think we're amazing. And even if you think we're bad, you can go rate us on iTunes. Yes, but do send us emails because we will read them Yep. as long as they're not completely incomprehensible. Like, I need you to tell me if I could sign to Jeff Def Jam. I don't know. I can't <laughs> I can't answer that question. Sheldon smiles with a Z. <laughs> All right. For Hillary Goldstein and Charles. Wait, wait, you missed the last part. I need you to tell me if I could sign to Jeff Def Jam in Jamaica, I'm good. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yes, yes. Well there, actually I just disproved the point I made directly before reading wait, that. Well, I would like to say I would <laughs> I would like to offer Sheldon Smiles. Uh, we, we at Def Jam would like to offer you a contract. Uh, unfortunately, our contracts are not valid in Jamaica. So, yeah. Oh, void in Jamaica. 
All right. <laughs> Poor Hillary Goldstein uh, and Charles Onyet and Jim Riley. I am Eric Bredvig, and we're done. <laughs>